Hello, everyone. This is Chris Grayton. I'm with Nefin Dinch. She's a filmmaker uh, and uh, currently working on a project about a figure named Antoine Kelpe. It's not only a film project, it's going to be a book project as well, um, a, a historical research project with that makes use of diverse and creative media. Uh, Nefin, I think we have to explain to people why this guy, Antoine Kelpe, is even worth making a film or a book about. Tell us about his story. Okay. Antoine Kerpe was born in Istanbul in 1897 mm -hmm. uh, to a very cosmopolitan family. He mm -hmm. has Hungarian and French background. Yeah. Um, and the family is a very artistic family and Antoine inherits this artistic side. Yeah. So he writes his memoirs uh, about uh, his life in the Ottoman Empire, but he also draws caricatures and uh, drawings mm -hmm. and his brother is the photographer of the Sultan so there are also never, never before seen photographs uh, in the memoirs yeah on top of it there are sound recordings and home videos which were created later on by Antoine so that's why we think it's worth to work on this right. project he, he he in an unusual way sought to document his life and, and times that he lived in uh, let's play a quick clip for our listeners of, of a, a recording that Antoine did of himself uh, singing a song. Here it is. So as you said, Antoine is a cosmopolitan, artistic figure, very much a product of late Ottoman Istanbul, but due to the times he lived in, he also bore witness to some very important events in the history, not only of that city, but in the history of the Ottoman Empire, which is, of course, the, the period of the uh, Young Turk Revolution in 1908, and then the First World War, which changed the lives of so many people. In this regard, Antoine is not an exception, isn't that right? He is not an exception in that sense, uh, but as I mentioned before, he's an exception uh, in terms of uh, chronicling uh, everything right. uh, in his memoirs. Um, after he was born, uh, they moved to Thessaloniki. Mm -hmm. uh, and he witnesses the constitutional revolution of uh, 1908 mm -hmm. uh, in Thessaloniki. He also you know, witnesses what's happening in uh, the Balkans during the Tripoli War and Balkan Wars. Mm -hmm. And they come back to Istanbul in 1913, right before right. the war. Uh, and then um, he wants to enlist as soon as possible. They don't take him to the army first because he's too young but in 1916 he finally enlists and uh, our listeners are probably assuming that he's enlisting in the ottoman army you know he grew up in istanbul but that's not the case at all uh, yes uh, but again uh, it's because of the hungarian uh, background he has interestingly enough he doesn't speak any hungarian whatsoever right. He doesn't speak any German either. Uh, because of his French background, uh, he uh, speaks French and writes his memoirs in French too. Right. But in, in the meantime, he serves in the Austro-Hungarian Empire throughout the war and documents that experience as well. Yes, um, and it's very, very interesting to read his memoirs because 
Most of the memoirs published in Turkey right now are written by the Ottoman soldiers. Right. But he was an um, you know, outsider in that sense, still uh, telling the story of what was happening in the Ottoman Empire during World War I. That's why I think it's also fascinating to focus on these memoirs. Right, and he's, he's, a, he's occupying a very in-between space that might actually be more representative of what a lot of other people experienced than we might initially think. Remember that people who were Greek and Armenians, even during the war, many of them served in the Ottoman army as Ottoman soldiers, yet after the war, their identities changed completely. And so Antoine's not the typical case, but like such cases, he's somebody living in the Ottoman Empire, somehow bound to another political geography, and then after the war uh, follows this uh, unusual trajectory as well. Yes, his character will allow us to uh, focus uh, his position uh, in the Ottoman uh, Empire and the Austria-Hungarian army, but he also talks about the Greeks in the Ottoman army and the uh, Ar Armenians in the Ottoman army as well. So this project will allow us to focus on all the other minorities, Greeks, Armenians, uh, as well, uh, non-Muslims uh, in the Ottoman Empire. Right, he's a character that has contact with a lot of different segments of society by virtue of that in-between identity and uh, I, this kind of follows even in a more dramatic way after the war once once the war is ended and you know Anatolia is under occupation uh, and of course Antoine returns to his home and then his then he follows another path entirely correct uh, he comes back to Istanbul uh, in 1918 right before the war ends um, and of course uh, he's in a difficult position because he's on the losing side and the allied forces are hunting all the uh, quote-unquote european soldiers who are in the still in istanbul so he kind of uh, hides from the allied soldiers but he sees all of his friends uh, with italian czech uh, or you name it, uh, backgrounds, uh, hunt, hunted down and sent back to Europe at the time. Also, it's very difficult for him to find a job in Istanbul. He has um, great difficulties, so he decides to move to the Black Sea region in 1921, uh, which is um, infested, let's say, with the Chetes at the time and works there for a long time. Uh, so it, very briefly, he cannot find a place in Istanbul uh, under occupation, so he uh, leaves the city. Yeah, and he, he bears witness to some of the political events uh, in Anatolia, including the, the rise of the Turkish independence movement. And uh, we won't spoil the whole story for our listeners, because uh, as we said, this is going to become a film uh, and a book. But like in, the re in our remaining time, let's talk more about the source, this memoir. You mentioned that he, he documented his life in great detail, produced uh, sketches, cartoons, uh, supplemented them with photographs by his brother. It's a 10-volume memoir, isn't that correct? That's correct. When you look at the memoirs, when you read them, you see that there's this great urge in him to chronicle, uh, to record everything. And he uses any means that's possible to you know, record what's happening uh, in his time. So uh, to sum it, uh, we can say that there are 10 volumes of memoirs with uh, never before seen photographs, and there are about 600 of them. Oh Yes, uh, there are uh, 300 original drawings by Antoine. Later on, starting from 1927, he starts 
making home videos with his Pate camera. And he also records sound and uh, as we heard before, he sings in many different European languages. He cracks jokes. This whole memoir is very humoristic, so it will also allow us to, you know, connect with the audience through uh, his humor. And uh, he also uh, archived these in a way that uh, now it will be easier for us to do the book, the film, and hopefully an exhibition as well. And our listeners will see on the website, we've got some visuals up from the memoir and the other visual materials. You'll see that, you know, Antoine is not not just prolific, but he's talented and he has his own style and has, you know, they certainly lend themselves to, you know, visual or multimedia uh, presentation. And so I want to talk to you more about what you're trying to do um, with the memoir, both in, in terms of your, your practice as a documentary filmmaker, but also in terms of the stories you're trying to tell and how you're trying to use this individual, a unique individual, to tell a larger story perhaps about the history of the late Ottoman Empire, indeed the First World War and the end of the Ottoman Empire, the transformation of Turkey. We will use the incredible archival material in the memoirs. We will also redraw the caricatures he has and animate them. We will also, of course, shoot. For example, he talks vividly about how he took the train from Istanbul to the uh, Taurus Mountains, and he describes how uh, stunning the images were. So we will have some uh, new HD material in the film as well, HD video material. Uh, so uh, all these incredible um, material in the film will, again, uh, will help us to make a popular film. It's not going to be only for World War I uh, historians. It's sure. going to, hopefully, it's going to be uh, for a larger audience. Well, uh, again, um, he is the eyewitness of so many important events, sure. but he's there himself. So he doesn't talk about, for example, when Göben and Breslau arrives in Istanbul, he's there to um, watch the uh, uh, German soldiers becoming authentic Ottoman soldiers, for example. Or when the capitulations are announced, he's there to celebrate with the crowd in the Ottoman Empire. So this will help the audience to identify with the character and understand these extraordinary events in the Ottoman Empire hopefully from a different perspective, not from this official discourse we hear about our own history over, over and over again, but from a fresh perspective, hopefully. Right. I mean, there's so many interesting ways in which his subjectivity does challenge the dominant narratives, right? You have this moment during the war where he, okay, he grew up in the Ottoman Empire, but he joins the Austro-Hungarian army. German and Turkish soldiers kind of become one during the war. Then when the war is over, that whole balance totally has to change because there's a new political context and he has to enter into that political context and situate himself into what is an increasingly uh, nationalist uh, society. As we mentioned before, Antoine is a very interesting character. Um, he has connections to all the Austro-Hungarian soldiers, Czech, uh, Romanian, Italian, uh, etc. And after the war, um, when Istanbul is under occupation, his brother-in-law, Com Commander Pagnier, who is French, helps him to find jobs in Istanbul. Mm. Um, his other brother-in-law is Italian and he's still fighting in, the, in Italy against the uh, Ottomans ah, and Austria-Hungarians. Okay. 
So it's very difficult to grasp his point of view uh, uh, if you use the nationalistic uh, approach. Moreover, he marries a Greek Orthodox woman Mm -hmm. in 1921 and goes to uh, the Black Sea region, uh, works with many Europeans there because mines are exploited by the Mm -hmm. Europeans at the time. Um, In the Black Sea region, he uh, witnesses the uh, War of Independence and then the population exchange. And again, it's difficult to really pinpoint his uh, stance on all these things, but usually he thinks uh, that Turks were his brother-in-arms in the army. So I have a sense that usually he uh, sides with Turks. Uh, of course, not forgetting uh, the Turks' uh, brutal retaliation against the Greek minority in the Black Sea region. And he feels really sad when Greeks leave the region, Black Sea region, because of the population exchange. So it's interesting how he occupies that ambivalent space kind of throughout this period. He's able to identify with people who are either maybe in some cases his enemies in arms, but also part of his family. In other cases, supposedly his his mortal national enemies or the enemies of people he knows and loves, yet he identifies with them as his fellow countrymen. And the, sort of this distance that he has from the events uh, is very unusual for historical texts because most of the memoirs we have are written by people who were politicians or had some real purpose that they were engaged in that was explicitly political and the text likewise is produced with that goal. What do you think the goal of Antoine was, Antoine Cope, in documenting his life in this way uh, and leaving us all this material yet giving us so few clues about where he truly stands on these big picture questions? He mentions in his memoirs that he wanted to leave uh, his kids and his grandsons uh, about the family history. He wishes that his uh, father and grandfather wrote more about the family history, and he hopes that the coming generation would continue writing the memoirs. He says the, uh, the memoirs are solely for the uh, for his family. And he says <laughs> the memoirs shouldn't be published, actually. <laughs> but uh, we got in touch with the grandson, and he's happy uh, for the memoirs to be used uh, for the book and the uh, film. Uh, Not having a political position allows him to really express his feelings about all the events happening around Mm -hmm. him. So it makes him very candid and honest about uh, what was happening around him. That's why it's fascinating. That's why I think it will say new things about uh, World War I and afterwards in the Middle East. Yeah, absolutely. And we should note that while these memoirs are written later on in his life, they're actually infused with materials that he had, either some of his drawings from the period, there's so much great stuff in there, or the photographs of his brother. So he's, he's really a consummate documentarian in a way, and sort of to turn his life into a documentary as another meta level to that. So beyond the documentary film that you're currently working on producing, uh, what else is happening um, with, the, with the Antoine Cope research project? I would hope to use the memoir, uh, memoirs as much as possible. So the book hopefully will be published in Turkish, French and English in different versions for different audience. There will be an exhibition opening up in 2018, fall of 2018 in Istanbul, uh, but then we would want it to travel Uh, The film hopefully will be released in 2018 at the centennial of the end of the war. 
But then uh, we would have a, a hopefully a website to uh, upload everything we have in our hands so that the researchers could use it. And Tony uh, Childress, his grandson, is um, open the idea, open to the idea to kind of give at least the copies to some of the archives later on. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, I've only had a small taste of this, having heard you present on it and then talking to you a little bit more, but I already have so many questions for my own research as a historian of the Ottoman Empire, things that I would like to look at and sort of see this unique person's unique perspective on some of the things I study. And so I do hope to uh, see the fruits of this research project, not only in the form of film, but also as a digital archive. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck in, in producing it all. It's going to be a lot of work, a lot of exciting work. Uh, and yeah, look forward to seeing the results. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about this project uh, in this podcast. And I should mention that uh, I'm working with uh, Prof Professor Elizabeth Thompson in this project because I'm not an historian and I think it's good to collaborate with a historian yeah. on World War One in the Middle East. And uh, I'm sure that uh, for Elizabeth Thompson, uh, obviously a very accomplished scholar, but it's an equally valuable opportunity to collaborate with a, with a filmmaker and get access to this uh, really great material. And I suspect that as the project goes on, you'll find other historians and scholars who may be interested in collaborating with you as well. Uh, so thank you again for coming on uh, and uh, talking to us. Thank you.